Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. The cutting Jonas. Lays it in! Valachunas taking over the third. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the Swanye, Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, Jim, we've got uh, a lot to discuss. Uh, Not a lot of juicy, fun info, but important info. Uh, If you're a Pelicans fan... We've got a lot of factors to look at, a couple of losses to look at. We're going to try to make it a cheery and informative as we do so. And I've already written down a note to look up what Swanye means after the broadcast. I don't even and know if I pronounced that say, right. Yes, okay. Yes. But but no, you're right. I mean, this was a tough weekend. There's no two ways about it. I thought Friday's game was really frustrating the way that it ended in terms of you had a chance to win and a lot of execution issues in the last couple minutes allowed Houston to be in position to to win the game, and they totally capitalized and took advantage of that. So credit to them. Um, Sunday was just a one-sided defeat. There was no way you could walk out of the arena and be yeah. like, well, if they had just done this and this differently, yes, they okay, wouldn't be able to the win. Time machine, whatever, yeah. yeah. So um, overall, I mean, obviously things are not good right now. They've lost five games in a row mm-hmm. after they started 4-1. and one. Um, I, I kind of look at it from a big-picture standpoint two ways. One, I think it's a little bit unreasonable to act like the sky is falling and everything is horrible based on the fact that they have, there's so many guys that they don't have right now. Yes. We've talked about this a lot the last few important. years, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I do think that – so on one hand, I think the people who are saying, like, tear it all apart, everything's horrible, everything's going to pieces – I think they need to slow down a little bit. But and also, those people have probably said it about 14 times before now. Right. So on the other hand, the the butt that I'll throw in there is, is it reasonable to think that the, the results should be better the last week plus based on who they do have available? Yes. And I think that is reasonable. Absolutely. So, so somewhere in the middle there is the, the perspective that I'm trying to bring today of that no one's happy that they've lost five games in a row. No one should be happy. Right. But at the same time, I do think that you need to take a, a deep breath and a step back a little bit and just be like, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit more later, of some of the specific problems that they're having that can be and will be addressed when some of these players come back to the court. Yeah, and, and you have to also look at the schedule. We we sort of discussed it uh, jokingly, but it but it was true. Uh, it, the, it was a murderer's row coming up. You looked at the schedule and it's like, mm-hmm. where's the easy stretch? It isn't there, and right. and you're not going to get any sympathy from teams because you don't have any Trey Murphy. You, you're out a you know a few players. Well, it doesn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they smell blood in the water. They're going to take advantage, especially uh, with the in season tournament stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the importance of these early season games, seems like there's no nights off. And you know the Pelicans did have a couple guys back. We were happy for that, but man, those those gaps in the in the lineup are are heavy. No, you're right. I mean, other teams across the league do not care. And at the end of the season, when you finish in whatever place you do, no one's like, well, we finished third, but we probably would have finished seventh yeah, put if an all these other teams had been healthy. Like, yeah. no one cares. Right. So the, that, that's not going to happen. There's not going to be anyone that's like, oh, we feel bad for the Pelicans. So 
Um, that's definitely true. You know, in terms of the timing and like hoping for a break or hoping for a little bit of a breather, you're right. I mean, they play, they played the Mavericks last night, second best team in the West, play them again on Tuesday, play the best team in the West on Friday, play the, the third best team on Saturday, Minnesota. So, I mean, somehow, thanks, NBA. Not, <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. They have the three top teams in the West coming in. Now, on the flip side, to me, before the homestand started and before last night's game occurred where they were down 30 or whatever it was and ended up losing pretty handily, I thought the timing of the homestand was really good Yeah. in terms of now you're getting to unpack your suitcase, you're going to get to be home all the way up until Thanksgiving. They're not going to leave again until basically Thanksgiving evening. They're right. going to fly to L.A. to play them on Black Friday. Um, but you have to take advantage of that. Just because you have home games doesn't mean that anything positive is, is going to guaranteed to happen. You have to sure. go out there on the floor and take care of it. Yeah, so we're going to need people to uh, pack the stands and make that home court advantage mean something uh, when you are losing these tough games against this murderer's row of a schedule. You're learning that these games are meaningful early in season. If you can weather this storm and get whole later, I feel like you will have exercised a lot of the demons that are gonna that could be a bugaboo this season. Uh, you could you could basically be forged in flames early if we can get whole and we see that we're not completely buried this early in the season. Can still make hay. Yeah, and I think short term the big negative of you have guys like say you have somebody who you thought was going to be your eighth or ninth man and now he's starting. Yeah. The negative of that is in a lot of cases I do feel like the Pelicans are and it's not by choice they're putting players in positions where they have to do more than anyone expected going into the year. Their roles are bigger. Their minutes are bigger. I mean, I don't think anyone thought that Jordan Hawkins would be playing, you know, 40 minutes in some games this year. I don't think Jordan did either. Right. Dyson Daniels will be in the starting lineup with him, also playing 40-plus minutes, also being the guy in the Houston game where he's the one that has to make sure that they get into their offense, they have to get organized. In clutch time, you have some of the biggest possessions of the season so far through the first 10 games, and he's the one that's running everything. So the the bad part of it is, like I said, you know, you're going to have to live with some of the mistakes and some of the growing pains that happen. Play out of position, right? Yeah. The good news is, long term, though, you you would think that, like I think the phrase you used was was forged in fire. That it's going to help these guys along along the road, where you know, down later in the season, when some of these players are in more roles that they're accustomed to, yeah. especially at this early stage of their career, then I think some of this these experiences will definitely benefit them but i mean it's a tough way to between, learn being thrown to the deep end but right, you're going to learn you're going to you might have some losses here or there and you might have some games like fridays which to me was very frustrating yeah that it, i think fridays uh, burns a little more because it was so in hand it felt like so mm-hmm. many times and for it to slip away that quickly and that precipitously it just felt like you're hanging on a ledge about to climb over and just the ground came out from under you mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I don't know who to blame it on dylan brooks dylan brooks you probably want to blame it on yes him i want to if i know you i want to blame it on dylan brooks anything is that that's wrong in the world is probably dylan brooks's fault but yeah it just it just felt like it, you could have had it, and it just slipped away so quickly. Yeah, and I hate to, I hate to go back to things that happened in previous seasons. You want to start fresh, but to me, part of what was nagging about that game was it seems like on the road the last couple of years they've had games in particular where the last two minutes have been so damaging and so frustrating. And also, I mean, in the last maybe forty-five seconds of that game, where you're up, I think they're up five, and then really yep. the only way that you can lose that game in regulation is if everything goes per, 
you know, perfectly for Houston. Yes. So Van Vliet makes a three. Um, I was about to say, those back-to-back Van Vliet threes, threes yep. to me, that was like, uh-oh. uh-oh right. I don't feel safe anymore. Yeah, no. And it just went downhill from and there. It, and it's funny, too. When he was with Toronto, the Pelicans only played him twice a year at the yeah. most. Yeah. And it still felt like, however long his career's been, it feels like it's been 10 times that he's done that to New Orleans, which yes. I don't think is even mass- mathematically possible. But just seeing him, I was like, oh, God, now he's on Houston. Now he's in the same division. Yep. So it's going to be four games against him. You just don't want to let the game be close and have him on the court because it feels like he always comes through for he's whatever team he's on. He's just such a game changer. He, he's yeah. just such a wild card. There are 14 lead changes mm. uh, in that game. I mean, it, yeah. it just it, and it felt like every bit of that. Uh, New Orleans had 18 turnovers to the uh, Mavs' nine turnovers. I guess that makes a, a big difference in the last game as well. Turnovers felt different. Uh, felt like a big difference in that Rockets game as well. Yeah, um, the timing of them. The, the timing mm-hmm. of them. That, that's not specifically the the volume. And and you saw flashes of good in that game. It was a good Jonas game mm-hmm. uh, until he fouled out. Uh, had a good uh, good bi game. Just not enough bi. It's right. Just, it, it just you you saw those sparks of what New Orleans could be. And the way it fell apart, I understand why fans just had a sick taste in their mouth after that one. Yeah, and I, I always go back to in the NBA, too, with a 48-minute game and 24-second shot clock. It's not about what you can do. It's about what you can repeatedly do. Yeah. And so that, that was a game where it felt like they were the better team for maybe 45 minutes, but then the last three minutes they couldn't hold the lead. So that I think that just piled on to what made me – you know, just upset at the after that game was over. That was I, that definitely the worst I felt after a game this season. Um, and and then I'm sure we'll talk about this too later in the show. But um, the fact that it was part of the in season tournament to me was even more damaging yeah. because you know how precious every single you only play four games in the group stage of in season yes. tournament. So I mean, that was such a huge swing that they weren't able to get that. One. Absolutely, and 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 we talked so much about the importance of the in season tournament and how maybe it's going to be a learning process for teams to adjust to the pressure of how important those games are. And boy, that 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 felt like a flunking a test uh, on that one because again, it it was more important than the others, and it felt like you could sort of ride the crest of the wave out. And boy, did it crash hard. And uh, you know what? I guess let's just let's just go ahead and talk about it. One thirty six, one twenty four, Mavs over Pels. Yeah, I mean the way that Dallas started the game was kind of demoralizing from a morale standpoint of the fact that they scored sixty seven points in the first half, and it felt like yeah. Luca and Kyrie were pretty much able to do whatever they wanted, whether it was Luca kind of toying with defenders and yes. taking step back threes, and then Kyrie. Getting to the basket. I mean, we know he's one of the best ball handlers of all time. Some people say he's the number one I'll in the history of the game. You, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah. But it was like I, I noticed a couple times that guys were trying to play him, play him to his strong side, which he's right-handed. But he was just going left and going right to the basket, getting all the way through yeah. the, the paint and getting to the rim for a crafty layup. So, yeah, the way – I mean, they look really good. I know there's probably some people that were skeptical about them after the first couple weeks of the season. And they are really good. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be. I mean, those two guys are so talented. But last season, after they came together, they the team was not good. Right. I mean, some of that you definitely have to chalk up to they needed to do a better job of surrounding them with the right kind of players. Yeah. And it seems like they've done that so far this season. Um, some of the shooting that they've added around them, I think, helps a ton. Mm-hmm. But – and and also some of the defense. They were a terrible defensive team last year. 
Um, so sometimes when you, you say like, well, we have Kyrie and Luca, we're going to score 125, but it's like, well, if you give up 130, you're still going to lose the game. Yeah, I mean, we've said that we so. got BI and Zion, you know, you can score, you, you can have a duo. You got to do a lot of things around it. Yep. And you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie slashing to the paint, which, which was tough for our defenders to deal with, but Kyrie hit seven of 10 threes, uh, part of his 35 points. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seemed like there was no way they could stop him or defend him. Mm-hmm. He just got pretty much whatever he wanted. And he actually was off to a bad shooting start to the season. So it's like, well, gee, great. Now this is the game that he's going to break out and <laughs> yeah. make all of his threes. So, yeah, I don't think many of them were wide open either. So I don't think you can say, well, the defense did a terrible job on him. Yeah, and that's why often. he went crazy. Yeah. So he just, I mean, he just had a great game. I mean, we've seen him do that a lot throughout his career. And um, I read somewhere before the game, he was he was talking to the locker room before the team, saying, "Guys, I'm tired. You know, I'm really tired. You're gonna have to prop me up." And uh, Luka Doncic himself said uh, that was BS. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I, I, whatever he said in the locker room, I don't know if he actually was tired or what, but it seemed to work. Uh, Luka had 30 points of his own, and his mm-hmm. team. Uh, did rally behind him. Now, B.I. led NOLA with 20 points. Zion had 18. Uh, that did feel good, you know, to, to see those guys uh, getting yeah. points. It's just, yeah, I mean, the Pelicans, the last couple of years, the, really just the last two seasons, it's not been, there haven't been that many games like this, w- which I would consider last season's Mavs, where mm-hmm. you you have the individual players you mentioned that have good games, but it's still not close to enough because of, how poorly you did on defense. So, I mean, there's no way that you couldn't just pinpoint the defense. That was the problem last night. Pelican shot 51% from the field and actually shot threes really well at 47%. But a lot of that was in the fourth quarter. So I think those numbers were a little bit misleading because while the game was still, you know, contested, those percentages were lower. But still, overall, those are really good numbers. And so, I mean, it was totally the defensive end. It was totally... Uh, fast break points, for example, was 28 to 13 in, in Dallas's favor. One of the things that Willie Green mentioned after the game was he said, we need to change ends better from offense to defense and defense to offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the offense to defense thing to me is obvious. And I, I actually tweeted this out last night too, that it's never been more important to be on, on your game in terms of transition defense, because compared to even a few years ago, other teams, the whole league is playing so much faster. Yeah. So you're going to get burned if you're not running back on defense and yeah. getting to your spots. That's showing up a lot more, it seems like. For sure. And also, this happened a couple times um, where they did run back, but they weren't matched up properly. Yeah. And sometimes when you're – if you, the first step is getting back on defense. The second step is making sure that everyone is assigned to a guy. And the problem now with you know maybe 15, 20 years ago, if you weren't matched up – you might give up a dunk or a layup. Now you're giving up a lot of wide open threes. Yeah. And that happened a lot last night where um, the Mavericks push the ball. You're not back. They get an open three. Yeah. It's just more of a killer than it used to be because of the fact that some of these teams have so many good three point shooters and they're willing to take 53 like Dallas did last night. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The volume seems to be the name of the game. That's the gym foe we need. And uh, as you know, it seems like we're going to gonna get a quick scouting report because uh, coming up, our next opponent seems to be. Let me check the Mavs. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, see him them right again. there again, uh, boy. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. Obviously, the 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 bad part about that is that they're on fire right now. They're eight and two. They're In putting fight. up points at a ridiculous rate. I think the good part is though. I think you you hopefully will have a little bit more 
motivation that you just lost to them and now you're playing them again. And you've shown yourself that you can hang with them uh, to a certain degree if you lock in. Right. Uh, and another uh, little bonus, at home, which is going to be nice for the fans. And it's uh, another little added bonus if you need a chance to rah-rah in season tournament game. Yes, it is. And, you know, we talked about the Houston game, how obviously the Pelicans are 0-1 in West Group B so far. Really, this game for both teams Tuesday in terms of the in-season tournament is kind of make or break because, as we've discussed before, once you have two losses, your chances are only slightly better than winning the lottery, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I don't mean the NBA lottery. I mean the actual state lottery. Hey, look, my pockets are bulging with tickets still. Yeah. But, no, I think um, the Mavericks lost to Denver in their first in-season tournament game. So both of these teams are in a position where it's like, they have to win this game. It's, it's a very, yeah. you can almost cross whichever team loses this game. You can almost cross off and say like, okay, now they don't have a chance. They don't have a realistic chance. It is possible mathematically that you can go two and two in your group. When you and have still to proceed advance. mathematically with right. possible, it's right. generally not Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's not a good sign. Yeah. So that part of it is, is, um, is something to, to watch and something to think about for Tuesday. And then, you know, Friday is also an in season tournament game. Mm. They have Denver coming in here. Yes. Um, if the Pelicans win out, you know, this is I know this is a big if, but they win out, they might have a decent chance of making it to the quarterfinals and then win that game and you and I are headed to the Las Vegas Heck strip. Yeah, yes. And I know everyone wants to see that. Oh yes, there will be a documentary Jim out in Vegas. It's going to look like a fear and loathing, just, you know. <laughs> and then Saturday is uh, Minnesota Timberwolves who, you know, I mentioned earlier off to a great start. Mm-hmm. You know, and that the list of games actually reminds me that um my player to watch last week was Jordan Hawkins. Yeah. I think that was a good pick. I think that was a good pick. I was just looking up uh, this stat I saw recently. Uh, Brett Usher tweeted, Jordan Hawkins has made more three-pointers, 25, than any other player in NBA history over the first nine games of the career of their career. Call it now. Over the first nine games, best to ever do it. <laughs> uh, look, I'm not. I'm not diminishing it. I mean, it, it, look, yeah. that, that average is going to. That's that's pretty impressive for the kid. Yeah, We've been telling him to uh, to pull the trigger. Uh, of course, Coach Green has, and uh, it's been paying dividends. And I think it speaks to um, a lot of just how aggressive he is. That he's yeah. able to get up enough threes. And that he that listens he can to be... the podcast and heard that you're his player of the week. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think. I was worried that that was going to put a little bit too much pressure on him, but knowing the way he, knowing how he is and what we've seen so far in the first month of his career, I'm not surprised at all that he totally responded to it and was like, you know what? I'm going to come through for Jim. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to set an NBA record while I'm at it. Why not? Yes. So good work by him. Good job speaking it into existence (laughs) too, Jim. And so um, my player to watch for this week, which we're up to week four of the NBA schedule is going to be Jonas Valanciunas. Um, he has a rematch on Tuesday with Derek Lively ah. the second. Lively had 10 points, only had two rebounds, had five fouls, so not bad in, as far as what the Pelicans did. So a little emphasis on centers here. Against him, right, exactly. And then, um, so that's Tuesday's game. Then Jonas is going to go up against Jokic on Friday. F- NBA Finals MVP. A lot of people think he's the MVP front yeah. runner. Yeah, he's pretty good. And then Saturday, you're talking about Rudy Gobert of Minnesota. So uh, another guy who's good at basketball. Yeah, a lot of seven yeah. footers this week, and and uh, a lot of guys that are you know like to do a lot of work in the paint. Jokic does damage everywhere, but yeah. Lively and Gobert are definitely 
players that are a lot more comfortable kind of hanging around the basket, blocking shots, yep. rebounding, and when they do score, it's gonna a lot of it's gonna be off alley oops and dunks and <sighs> follow ups, stuff like that. Well, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't envy Jonas's uh, job this week, but it's gonna be very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? The people need to feel better. I, I we I feel like we've done a lot of not doom saying, but mm-hmm. uh, we have had to talk about a lot of. Uh, Teams that are coming in here with something to prove. Uh, of course, the Pelicans have something to prove. We don't have every bullet in the chamber. We are a little shorthanded. Right. But I still think there are reasons that the Pelicans can make hay in this little stretch. Um, again, we're going to be at home. There is extra motivation, especially after falling one time in that in-season uh, tournament. And again, Jordan Hawkins, I think he should keep that streak going. Let's make it 10 games through 11 games through 12 games. Let's keep the young man going. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's off to a good start. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about Dyson Daniels earlier, but I think he's done really well yes. with, with yes. some of the minutes. By the way, too, career high in scoring for him on Sunday. He had 17 points on 7 for 12 from the field. And also, I think maybe, of, I mean, he had a bunch of stats that were really good. Nine rebounds, four assists, but how about three for six, three-point shooting? I think that's so, something that a lot of people were not expecting out of Dyson. And I, I still yeah. think people who haven't watched a lot of uh, Dyson yet, they see it come out of his hands like, oh, no. And mm-hmm. then it goes in like, oh, if yeah. you can unlock that with his physicality, that's a little something different. And, and he's still working on his shot. He mentioned this a few days ago. Um, I think after practice, he talked about how, you know, he's still getting comfortable. Yeah. He redid his shot. They basically kind of changed the way he shoots. to redid to, everything, his body, his hair, yeah. his shot. Yeah, there you go. Dyson. So um, if he can keep making improvements in the three-point area, I think that'll be a big help. But, yeah, I wanted to kind of go, go through just briefly yeah. some of the areas where, I mean, we can just look at some of these black and white numbers. I'm not going to get too deep into the stats and stuff like that, but just kind of generally, um, Dyson Daniels, I mentioned his three-point shooting. If he can keep getting better, that's going to help the team overall. But we know realistically that – to really get where you want to go in that category, you need C.J. McCollum and Trey Murphy back on yes. the court. Yes, um, We're hoping to see both of those guys at some point in the near future. Um, right now, the Pelicans are 21st in three-point makes per game, and they're also 22nd in three-point percentage. So I feel like, I mean, it, it almost goes without saying that if I mean, C.J. was off to a great start, right. when you get Trey Murphy Yes. On the court, those categories are going to improve a ton. Of course. Um, another area, and, and by the way, too, before I get too uh, far into some of this stuff, Najee Marshall made his season debut Sunday, yeah. which was great to see. Yeah. I think he's still shaking off the rust a little bit. He he provided some good energy. He had um, eight points in 14 minutes, and yeah. he did a lot of a lot of the stuff he did was right off the bat, right when he first checked into the and game. And Najee does a lot of dirty work that doesn't show up on a stat mm-hmm. sheet, too, and just the identity he brings to the team. It was just great to see him out there in general. Right, and I, but I think he um, he had a couple turnovers where he was just going really fast. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he, he plays like that sometimes, but I do feel like that was kind of a – he hasn't been on the court in a month, right? and he'll clean up some of that stuff as he just gets more time – in uniform and just gets back into more of a rhythm. Right. Um, Pelicans are 23rd in defense right now. They were top 10 pretty much all of last season. Yeah. Um, Herb Jones hasn't played the last couple games. Yes. So, I mean, don't know what his status is for Tuesday. And we, as we record this Monday morning, um, the injury report should be out maybe around 4:30 Monday afternoon. Right. And so we'll get an update on yeah, what his status is that. for the game against Dallas. 
I don't know if there's a, a team in the league where you need him more than the Mavericks, where yeah. like we talked about with the game that Luca and Kyrie had, where they combined for 65 points. They were 11 for 19 on threes, 24 for 38 um, from the field. So need Herb Jones. Don't yes, know whether do. he's going to be back on Tuesday or not, but hopefully, um, he. I think he was listed as questionable before the Sunday game. So hopefully he'll be making progress and we'll see him. Yeah, I've got my fingers and toes and everything else I can cross-crossed. For sure. And then lastly, um, Pelicans are 21st in assist-to-turnover ratio. I was actually surprised. I thought that was actually going to be a little bit lower than it was when I looked it up, but still not great. I mean, yeah. you're in the bottom 10 of the league, and then you have a guy like Jose Alvarado who still hasn't played yet this season. I know because I've heard people say it to me that there's tons <laughs> of people out there that are like, God, we can't wait for Jose to be back on the court because yeah. at the end of games and even throughout the f- flow of the nor- the regular part of the game, just having somebody who has that point guard background who can get you organized, yes. get you into the offense will help a ton, not just with, the, say, the turnovers that come specifically from that position, but I feel like a, the team as a whole commits more turnovers because sometimes there's guys in positions where the shot clock is running down. It's like... I have to make a quick decision yeah. and they're throwing bad passes. Yes. Just having that steadying presence of Jose, even if it's, you know, I think he averaged 20 ish minutes a game last year, even just right. having those 20 minutes where you can it's a well-defined role. people down yeah. and get, get everything. Like I said, organized. So anyways, that's my laundry list of multiple guys. I really hope, you know, Najee was a start. I hope that list gets shorter and shorter yes. as we go forward. Yeah, Jim, that is great Jimfo, man. And I feel, and again, it's easy to get down right now. The Pelicans have lost uh, five straight. However, it is an early season. I tried the best I could, Joe. You know, I, I feel I, better. I, under, I feel better, too. Um, I was in a I shambles before you came in. I definitely understand that, I mean, because I feel this way, too, that it's like, you know, there's only a certain amount of patience that you yeah. have, and I think it, the time is definitely now to get this turned around. We saw last season what happens in terms of how much one win or one game can make a difference <laughs> yes. in your seeding. So, I mean, hopefully with a bunch of home games coming up, um, even against some really good competition, we can start to see some better performances, and they need to get as many wins as they can. Yeah, and we've seen the people coming out to the home games. We do appreciate you coming out in in not-so-ideal weather and some of these tough games. Uh, I do have to say uh, a lot of people gave me a sad thumbs down through the radio studio window. You may have seen that. Yeah, Uh, yeah. if you ever see the the guy uh, walking past the Smoothie King Center uh, there pushing buttons, that's generally me. Uh, and a lot of y'all gave me a little sad thumbs down, maybe a, a tear going down your face, finger. Mm. I appreciated that. I want to feel your emotion. Uh, I, I am with you through the window. I just cannot play point guard. You don't want to see me out there. Uh, but if I could, I would, Jim. Jim's been giving me pointers. He's dunking on me all the time. I like your attitude, Teach man. Me. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, mm-hmm. and we will continue to try for you. Thank you for listening to the Pelicans podcast. That is Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. I am Joe Cardosi. Tell your friends and pals to give it a listen. And, uh, hey, we will talk to you once again on Wednesday, hopefully with some good news. And until then, go Pelicans! Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here.